Hello and welcome to another episode of Redeemer Radio, the podcast of Redeemer Bible Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota, where the gospel changes everything. I'm your host, Pastor J. Aaron White, and I am here on location in the lovely Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, and I'm actually camping with my entire family, all my kids, all the way from 15 down to 2, and there's only enough room in the camper for the adults and the baby, so I am sleeping outside in a tent with all the other children. It has been glorious and sanctifying. More on that later. For now, I felt that it was good to use our time, perhaps not every single episode, but from time to time to walk you through the attributes of God. And the reason I want to do that is because of what it says in Isaiah chapter 40. When Israel was threatened, fear was among the people of God the threat of death, the threat of peril, starvation, famine, attack from the enemy, you would think that there would be a number of prescriptions for the people of God, and perhaps there were. you think that one of the prescriptions for them would be to ready your swords, ready yourselves, barricade the door, store rations, food, protect women and children. There's a lot of things to do at a time like that. But it's interesting to me, and it, it it's always been interesting to me, ever since I taught Isaiah for a Sunday school class years ago, that this is the prescription, the preeminent prescription, given to a fearful, confused, misdirected, sometimes lazy people to set their affections on God. Isaiah says in Isaiah 40, verse 9, Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, Herald of good news, lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold your God. And then, of course, Isaiah goes on to give a litany of descriptions of who God is. And essentially, he's reminding the people that are fearful, that are disillusioned. He says, Your God is sovereign. Your God is in control. He holds the nations in his hand. They are like a drop in a bucket to him. All the peoples, including their rulers, are like grasshoppers before him. They are like insects. The God Almighty, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, is the sovereign creator over all things. If you see him, if you behold your God, not just with a fleeting glance, but if you see him, the way Isaiah saw him in Isaiah chapter 6, in all of his glory, seated upon the throne, seated, settled, not shifting, not transient, but settled in his power and authority. He says, let your hearts not be troubled in that fact. So, many of the people of God, at Redeemer and elsewhere, myself, were trying to process life in 2021, Trying to keep our eyes on Christ amid all the flood of media, television, radio, internet, social media. We're trying to keep our eyes on Christ, but if we're honest, sometimes our hearts tremble. Sometimes our minds wander. Sometimes our faith fails. Sometimes our feet stumble. It feels as if the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Persians are all at the gate 
and the gates are cracking. So, what is a pastor to do? Well, the best thing I can do is to do what Isaiah does. There's many things we should do. We should pray, we should fast, we should serve, we should evangelize, we should go, we should love our families, we should earn a living, we should enjoy a walk in the fall leaves. There's a million things we should do. All to the glory of God. But the most preeminent thing we can do is to behold our God. So, I want to read from a book that helped me tremendously, and I just want to help you. This is from an old book called The Attributes of God by A.W. Pink. And I'll be walking you through one attribute per episode for the next, I don't know, however long. In the preface to his book, A.W. Pink says this, The foundation of all true knowledge of God must be a clear mental apprehension of his perfections as revealed in Holy Scripture. An unknown God can neither be trusted, served, nor worshipped. In this book, an effort has been made to set forth some of the principal perfections of the divine character. If the reader, or in our case, the listener, is to truly profit from his perusal of the pages that follow, he needs to definitely and earnestly beseech God to bless them to him, to apply his truth to the conscience and the heart so that his life will be transformed thereby. A.W. Pink's first chapter in The Attributes of God and Our Effort to Behold Our God is on the solitariness of God, the uniqueness of God, the self-sufficiency of God. We need to meditate on this attribute of God because Genesis 1-1 begins with a passage that is easy to miss, its depth and its profundity. It says, in the beginning, comma, God. Pink says, there was a time, if time it could be called, when God, in the unity of his nature, dwelt alone. Of course, he's referring to the three divine persons. In the beginning, God, there was no heaven where his glory is now particularly manifested. There was no earth to engage his attention. There were no angels to hymn his praise, no universe to be upheld by the word of his power. There was nothing, no one but God. And that not for a day, a year, or an age, but from everlasting. During a past eternity, God was alone, self-contained, self-sufficient, self-satisfied, in need of nothing. Had a universe or angels or human beings been necessary to him in any way, they also had been called into existence from all eternity. The creating of them when he did added nothing to God essentially. He changes not. Therefore, his essential glory can be neither augmented nor diminished. And this is so good. Pink goes on to highlight the sovereignty, the self-sufficiency of God, what theologians refer to as the aseity of God. He is from himself. He is not contingent. You know, we're dependent on a million different things. I mean, just this morning getting up, uh, you think I'm roughing it out here in a tent, but no, I'm still dependent on a good cup of coffee. I mean, you, you knew I was going to bring coffee with me, of course. I mean, we've got a coffee pot, French press. Don't get me started. But I'm contingent upon air. I'm contingent upon gravity. I'm, I'm in need of a million common graces. Not to mention the special grace of the gospel to give me assurance when I get up in the morning. But God, Father, Son, and Spirit, the Trinity, is completely self-sufficient. We do not serve a God who wrings his hands, not knowing how tomorrow is going to go. We do not serve a God that is contingent upon anything. Pink goes on and says, God was under no constraint, no obligation, no necessity to create. That he did create was simply for his manifestative 
glory, to manifest his glory. Goodness. I want to go on a little bit further. There's so much that could be said. So much that could be said. But he says this, Such a God cannot be found out by searching. He can be known only as he is revealed to the heart by the Holy Spirit through his word. Well, of course we can see much of God in creation through general revelation. I'm looking out over the Chippewa Valley right now, and I see every leaf, every blade of grass dancing in the wind to the glory of their creator. But Pink says, It is true that creation demonstrates a creator so plainly that men are without excuse. Yet we still have to say with Job, Lo, these are parts of his ways, but how little a portion is heard of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? The so-called argument from design by a well-meaning apologist has, we believe, done much more harm than good, for it has attempted to bring down the great God to the level of finite comprehension, thereby has lost sight of the solitary excellence. So what Pink is saying, I might take issue with him a little bit here. But essentially what he's saying is that there is much that can be learned about God through general revelation. Just look out your window, look out your windshield. You see much about God. But it's in the Bible, it's through special revelation where we learn specifically about this God who is three in one, about this God who is sending his son or has sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to redeem fallen humanity. And this is the God that we need to see, a God that is self-sufficient, that is sovereign over everything, that is not contingent or dependent. He's not like the gods that Paul combated in Acts chapter 17 with the pagans, where they had altars to every conceivable God. And if you wanted something from that God, many of them were cantankerous and unpredictable and finicky. You had to go and pay tribute and coax them, if you will, to give you what you need. It was a very quid pro quo, transactional kind of relationship with these pagan gods. Yeah, that is not the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is, as Pink says, he is self-sufficient. He creates not because he is in need, but because he is refulgent in his majesty to manifest his glory and his power. And we know that his glory and power is seen most clearly and explicitly on the cross of Jesus Christ, where his sovereignty, his power, his wrath, his justice, and his mercy and his love and his compassion all collide in the crescendo of history when we hear the Son of God say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know it was because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So we're going to continue on just examining various aspects of the attributes of God. But the people certainly starve for a lack of knowledge, not just of the minutia of doctrine, but of who God is. When's the last time a bestseller in a Christian bookstore was a book dedicated explicitly to the attributes of God? The copyright on Pink's book that I'm holding in my hands, which is still a, a seminal work on the attributes of God, was 1975, and I'm sure this is probably a, a second or third edition. So the people of God are just as much in need today as they were the days of Judah when the Assyrians were seeking to invade and cause destruction, when the people are disillusioned, when they're fearful, when they're confused. When leadership in the world fails, when all of our props are knocked out, what would the Word of God have us do? What, what should I do as a pastor and as a friend and a brother in Christ? And what does my heart need? Well, it's found in the ninth verse of Isaiah 40. Behold your God. And according to A.W. Pink, 
Our God is solitary. There is no one like him. There is no one or nothing above him. He is self-sufficient. He is eternal. He is from everlasting to everlasting. And he created all things for his glory. And yet even though in his transcendent glory, he came as the God-man who bore our likeness and who, according to Hebrews 4.15, is a sympathetic high priest. He is both transcendent and imminent. That we could go on and on, and we will in further episodes. But thanks for tuning in to Redeemer Radio, the podcast of Redeemer Bible Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. And we pray that as you behold your God, that indeed the gospel would change everything and that you would find the peace that surpasses understanding. God bless you, and we'll see you next time, my friends.